So we're going to change gear and get into our second conversation. We're looking at the amendment of the Electoral Act a parliament filing an application requesting a six-month extension from the Constitutional Court of the deadline to finalize the amendment. It aims to change the act which will allow citizens to stand for election in the national parliament and provincial legislatures. While there have been lots of submissions being conducted, of course, the parliament also established a committee uh, that to put together its own recommendations uh, about what these amendments could potentially look like. Uh, we were set to be joined by Cedric Frolic, who's the House Chairperson. He's no longer available for the conversation. Uh, in a moment, Mandisa Mashero will be joining us. She's with the New Nation Movement. Lulu White is Chairperson of the Election Management Consulting Agency of Africa. Lulu, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for inviting me, Kathy. I think, you know, let's just talk about this process. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, Lulu, that we always find ourselves here, right? Um, mm-hmm. People have long been warning that this issue is not being dealt with, with the mm-hmm. level of expediency that is required. So it's mm-hmm. almost, it was foreseen that we would end up here uh, with a request for yet another postponement. It is rather unfortunate. You know, it's interesting also that you've got Mandisa on the line uh, from New Nation um, um, Movement, um, because this, these are some of the concerns that when the first, when the releases came out from the Constitutional Court, we all felt that, you know, the way, the slack manner in which um, um, Parliament seems to be dragging its feet around this particular issue, we were concerned that we're going to get here. And, and, and what this basically means is that we might actually be going into this next election in 2024 with the very same uh, proportional representation system which has been problematic for a lot of people. And it's really rather unfortunate. There's some who believe that this is exactly <laughs> what Parliament wanted to see happen. Look, I think... We, we, I think you know. I think the biggest challenge that we must also uh, we, we must also take advantage of, or that we must take accountability for as citizens of, of the country is that we don't seem to there doesn't seem to be a lot of activism as far as elections or electoral management acts are concerned, and and it's also our fault because Parliament, if we had treasured Parliament um, well enough, I'm certain that this matter would have received attention. Right. That, it's not the first time. I think last year already before the elections, before the local government elections, there were amendment as there was an electoral amendment act that was that was being published. What did not make sense to me then is why this particular amendment was also not included. But none of us, I mean, those of us in the side that, that, that talk about elections, that talk about timing in elections, I remember also New Nation New Nations movement. We made a fuss about it to say, but why is it that this particular amendment, because the court had already ruled on this, the constitutional court had already ruled on this. So it made no sense for some of us to say, but why when the when the when the management, when the elections um, act and the regulations are being amended, why wasn't it stated then? So that then it gave people enough time because in total you need about twenty four months before the thing has to be applied as a rule of law. Now, why was it not been done at that particular time? Now, the biggest challenge that we have is that, yes, we seem to be nothing but a group of people who talk only. There doesn't seem to be a, a, a proper activism around this electoral um, reform. It's just a few individuals or one organization that seems to be pushing it. Other than that, nothing else is happening. And as long as that is the situation, then parliament and organizations or similar organizations are going to continue 
with the way that things with, with, with the way that they're doing their things. Nobody is put there's no push. There's no active citizens. There's no there's no rush. Yes, there's absolutely no rush, uh, Lulu. You're so correct on that. And, and I wonder what you make of the responses of of opposition parties in particular when it comes mm. to how they have been giving input onto uh, a bill mm. of, of, of this nature. Um, because mm. the opportunity that it presents is to open up the, the electoral space almost completely. Um, I would have thought that this is something that opposition parties would really be running with. Look, you're basically asking a political party to share their bridge. And the, and this is generally what this means, because it means looking for... Do you remember a few years ago, opposition parties were the same parties that used to say, don't vote for a smaller political party, you're going to be splitting the vote and it won't make a difference? It's a very same analogy with any concern, because voting for an independent... I mean, I, I, I read one of the comments that you made is that um, what happens when an independent dies? What happens when an independent member of, of, of parliament resigns, who then takes over the constituency? So they've got those type of things that they keep thinking about, because currently the proportional representation system actually benefits them. It benefits a political party. Um, if somebody leaves or resigns, then somebody else from within the party list is able to take over that position. Now, changing amendments to actually make sure that independents are actually accommodated also means that systems are going to be able to, um, the constituencies are going to be broken down. It has to be a constituency-based system. Now, the biggest argument that all of them are making around this is the fact that what happens to that particular constituency is that independent member of parliament is involved. And it is a legitimate question to mm-hmm. ask, mm-hmm. but we, we can't run away from the fact that political parties are away. They're just potentially going to chuck away at their own support. Mm. Because if there are a lot of people currently who are saying, I'm not going to participate in an election because political parties that are currently there are not fulfilling my needs and my obligations as a voter, therefore I'm not interested. Now, having somebody who speaks to your constituency and says, I'm able to fulfill your, your requirements and this is what I need, and, and, and this is, you need to support me, it means that those people can potentially lose those supporters. So that's why they would stand against this bill. You know, when it comes to some of what is contained in um, the, the the proposed changes then uh, to the amendment, let's talk about what those things that have jumped up for you are. Okay. So the big thing for me that did jump out, like I said, I mentioned just now, is, is, is the fact that um, there, would, there would need to be provisions for, for by-elections. I mean, if you look at all the other countries that are that are really doing this, uh, Zimbabwe being one, we recently just noticed there was a by-election of, of a member of parliament that is left. So that is, those are some of the things that needed to jump out for me to say there would be a requirement. So the legislation would need to be amended, and also the NGD would need to be brought in uh, so that um, these wards, the municipality wards, the system that we have currently of voting um, is amended such that it allows people to be able to actually eliminate and select and elect people um, per constituency. So that is one of the things that did come out. It is, like I said, it is a legitimate require. It is a legitimate. Um, it is a legitimate concern. But the bottom line is that that is not the only thing um, that that one should concern themselves with. So what should be important should be we, the country must be looking at a way of making sure that people people are able to vote for whoever they want, whether it's within a political party or independent.
Mm. Yeah, and I think the, these are the issues that, of course, um, are already causing some analysts to say that whatever amendments are pushed through, it looks like mm. those are going to be contested in, in the courts as, as well. Um, mm. And when one thinks about, okay, so we're not done with the amendment, um, the proposed mm. changes are, are likely to raise contestation. So mm. in 2024, certainly doesn't seem to be on the cards in as far as uh, the, 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 the amendment bill is concerned. No, absolutely. And, 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 and that's why one wonders whether this is deliberate, right? Because like I said, if you, I mean, like last year earlier already there were amendments, and this was after the pronouncements uh, of the Constitutional Court, the amendments of, of the Electoral Act. Why wasn't it included there? Um, there's also, I mean, there's, there's also, what is it, ripple effect that needs to take into place, except from the NDB side as well. There is the Political Party Funded Act. Currently, the, fund, the, the Act talks to political parties being funded, it's not talking to individuals or independents or want to participate being funded. And that is, that is also a ripple effect of this particular legislation that should have been privatized. It, was, it should have been privatized. There's no excuse why it hasn't been privatized. Now, all of these things are going to be things that people are going to, or, or parliament is going to need to say, but because this has not been social, this has not been done, the regulations around this has not been done as well, therefore we cannot use it. And it's, like I said, it's, it, it's been mischievous. It was mischievous for parliament, but at the same time, what does one expect? Because at the end of the day, you are looking at an at a, at a possibility whereby a political party support is likely going to drop in favor of the people that are going to be independent. Let me bring into this conversation Mandisa Mashero, who is the project manager, um, project director, rather, South African electoral reforms at the New Nation Movement. You'd remember they were the ones that initially brought this matter, at least to the level that we're seeing it now. Mandisa, we were talking earlier with Lulu about how they doesn't seem to have been clear commitment from Parliament um, to actually meet the deadline when it comes to this proposed amendments. What are your views as the New Nation Movement? What do you make of the way this process has been taking place? Hi, Cathy. Um, thanks for, for that question. I think to answer it in a simplistic way will be an injustice to South African citizens and to ourselves. And we need to stop being dishonest with ourselves in South Africa. It's time for us to become brutally honest and confront all our situations head on, but with a rational mind. This situation dates back to 1993, um, to what is commonly known to all of us as the sunset clauses or agreements that were made um, during or post the CODESA negotiations following CODESA 1 and CODESA 2. Now, I'm not sure to what extent younger people have um, been correctly educated or informed or even informed themselves because the stuff is available on the internet quite freely. The current government uh, has been dishonest and continues to be dishonest. In fact, we are in a fully-fledged nanny state. I mean, if I can explain to you the horrible experience I had getting into SABC now because they refuse to respect my rights, uh, not to give them my ID and all of that, and that they're not even aware that the mask mandate has fallen and that they don't care because their security must give you an idea of what kind of country we live in when the SABC itself as a public broadcaster doesn't observe laws like the Popeye Act and um, the disaster management regulations. But let's come back to the topic. The, 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 the speaker and the chairperson of the Home Affairs Committee, the Speaker of Parliament, have now submitted a court uh, affidavit asking for a postponement, something that we as New Nation Movement uh, predicted. 
we even knew as far back as 2020, late in 2020, when they started holding all sorts of meetings internally in Parliament and not engaging citizens, not engaging any constituency, let alone the litigants, which is the New Nation Movement and all the others. There was um, a few other organizations that participated in that litigation to demonstrate that they have no intention of giving truth to this thing. Nelson Mandela himself is the former president and first democratic president of South Africa. In his exit speech when he left Parliament, when he left the position of the presidency stated that, please, the agreements that were made must be honored. So the 1993 interim constitution that was then collapsed by the permanent constitution in 1996 was designed such that it was premised, it was dependent on um, the, the on Parliament, National Assembly, and the people of South Africa together, designing, redesigning an electoral act that is not specified by the New Nation Movement or any particular constituency, but that is designed and desired and needed by the people of South Africa. Because democracy, as you would understand, and especially con uh, constitutional democracy, is um, a system that can be designed. There's no um, hard and fast or cast in stone format for constituency democratic models or for even for electoral systems. Countries decide on their own what they want. The, the, the solely proportional representation-based system, which obviously encourages a lot of thuggery and, and, and genders, uh, bullying and ganging up and colluding amongst parties, which is what we see, um, that system belongs to a very archaic model of governance, and it exists only in failed states. It's a fact. You can do that research on your own independently. You'll find that. And so Nelson Mandela pleaded to everybody to say, look, we agreed in 1993 that between 1994 and 1999 must, uh, must be the first and last term because we're in an interim situation of building a new South Africa that we use this proportional representation system. A new system must be sure. found to suit South Africans and we haven't done that since 1993 to, 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 to date. Okay. Mandis, I'm going to give you an, a, a chance to, to, to continue and I suppose um, by way of such as the Van Slabert report that made the recommendations, gave different scenarios, it's, it's accepted that um, the system with, would change. Uh, the question is why it hasn't and, and the resolve of Parliament today to actually get us to, uh, to, to the next phase of, of what uh, elections in South Africa could potentially look like. Uh, it's just after 10.30. Let's take you to the latest news headlines. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're talking about amendments. Uh, this is of the Electoral Act. Joining me for this conversation, Lulu White is a chairperson of Election Management Consulting Agency of Africa, Mandisa Masheho, Project Director uh, with the New Nation Movement. So, Mandisa, just before we went to the news, you know, I, I was saying that the the the, the conversation around the need for future reforms in how the country's elections are governed. I think that that was widely accepted, you know. Um, the question now is the process to get us there. As the new nation movement, do you feel that there has been a commitment from this parliament to actually follow through with what the Constitutional Court has said they must do. And, and let's remind of ourselves of the fact that the Constitutional Court basically reaffirmed what had been said before. Um, and so it's not a question of, is it the right thing to do? Is it not the right thing to do? The Constitutional Court said, this should have been done. Do it. 
No. Look, the current uh, people in, in, in Parliament are very narrow-minded and focused on themselves as individuals and have no interest in the broader interest of citizens. And South African citizens also know this. We know this. We know this through many, many things. The current COVID situation is just such an injustice. It's a gross injustice. The current attempts to amend the Health Act when there's a Disaster Management Act to deal with such things is another gross injustice indicative of people who are just collective and joint dictators emboldened by proportional representation, which basically encourages bullying and ganging up and really toxic uh, patriarchal systems of governance. So yes, as the New Nation Movement, we have had these discussions with the, electro with the IEC. We have had engagements for one or two with Home Affairs Committee, but we have never ever, let me dem demonstrate to you how disingenuous they are. We were the litigants in the matter. We won the case on the 11th of June, 2020. It was a non-starter, as you've just said, Kathy. I've just taken you back to the chronology of this discussion. It can go back as far as 1993, right? That's over, what, almost 30 years ago, if not more, right? Um, actually, 30 years ago, 29 years ago. And so... Um, the, the parliamentary committee, the chairperson of the committee for home affairs, the office of the speaker, who really is the fiduciary um, officer for this issue, as well as the minister of home affairs, have been playing games. If you can look at the 100-page, 60-page uh, court uh, affidavit they submitted on the 25th of April that we have a copy of, and you look at all the toing and froing and the meetings that they've held amongst each other, the minister not coming to meetings, then comes back to the meeting and says, oh, I haven't presented to cabinet the draft bill and then them not even starting a public participation pro process the electoral the independent com um, electoral commission they're not independent, so I actually hate to call them uh, independent uh, because they're definitely not independent. But they themselves admitted and, and advised the speaker, I think, more than a year ago in 2021 and said to the speaker in 2020, sorry, at their first meeting, which was held on the 25th of June 2020, which was basically two weeks or so after the judgment in court, and said, look, even two years is not enough to effect um, to give effect to the judgment. Two years, the 24 months which they were given, which expires on the 11th of June this year, is not enough time because of many things. There's various uh, pieces of legislation, about five or six or seven pieces of legislation that need to be changed, including the um, Electoral Act itself, including the Political Party Funding Act, including the Political Party Representative Act, including uh, the Municipal Demarcation Act, and I forget the other two that need to be amended. And all those processes, as you would know in our parliament, have been complex and very unnecessarily, you know, made to be so super special when it's just an act that says what must happen and how must it happen and what is it that people need to know and give people the opportunity. They have not done public participation. They rushed through a process of public participation earlier this year and we had to stop them through a, a joint lobby group with CASAC um, and various other organizations, the 70s group um, and many, many other community organizations to bring pressure to bear to parliament to say you are railroading the process deliberately because you actually want to misinform and miseducate South Africans deliberately. And the reason they did that is because late last year, we wrote them a letter. Our lawyers, um, the New Nation Movement lawyers, um, wrote them a letter to say that, look, we are going back to court very soon, to the concord, um, to actually uh, make sure that you are charged as the speaker with contempt of court. And in actual fact, it's, it's, it's you know, 
pretty much tantamount to, to, to treason, you know, what they're doing, because what they're doing is really a sin against the people of South Africa. And so when we sent them that court action that we're going to um, charge them with contempt of court, they started rushing. Suddenly the minister had a draft bill. Suddenly the minister had suggestions about um, what he thinks should happen in terms of a constituency-based democratic system. I'm saying to you, this discussion has been ventilated. Tabombeki in 2002 commissioned a report, and it, it is now famously known as the uh, Fansail Slabert report, which was released in 2003, in, in 2003 a year after uh, pre former President Tabombeki commissioned it. And he did it out of his own conscience because he knew what they had agreed on in Codesa before we even voted in 1994, that this system was only supposed to last until 1999. Why? Because it's the single system that is used in all failed states of the world. Um, undoubtedly, you can go and do your research. Why? Because proportional representation, what it does, it goes against the Constitution. The Constitution says you, uh, your rights as Cathy are protected in the South African Constitution and the country and the law as an individual. You do not need an army of people to protest and march in order for your rights to be observed. You need as an individual to act, protest, do whatever it is, go to court. That's why you can file court papers as an individual, because that's what the Constitution says. And so for the Electoral Act to then say no, you can only contest elections if you are within the confines of a political party. And within the confines of that political party further, the Electoral Act, the, even the, IE, the Independent Elections Commission itself, does not have policies and regulations to govern pure democracy inside political parties. So all forms of bullying, we know about the numbers of murders that happen within the ANC, the IFP, and other political parties that kill each other for contestation of uh, public office bearer positions. Why? Because those are the positions they use to go in, even as opposition, to lobby each other and collude and give each other tenders and do all sorts of manner of ills and evil. And there's not a single person who can stand up in parliament in a legislature, even in uh, councils, to say, I'm against this, because that person, if they're an MP or, or, or a proportional party representation member, like a PR councillor, if they stand up against something, their president, their SG or whoever in their top six um, has the right to remove them through whatever internal processes mm -hmm. that they will uh, follow in the party to say, you didn't follow the party line. We can't have a country that follows a party line. We need a country that follows the line of citizens, of what is best for citizens, of what is best for the women and children of this country that are under siege, of what is best for the workers of this country who are today threatened with economic apartheid and told if you don't take a certain injection, you can't keep your job. We need a constitution that will defend the citizens of this country and not top six or top five leaders of political parties. Right. And so this continuing stalemate and this continuing anti-people behavior by the Speaker of Parliament, who's so arrogant, who states things in her court papers that even go against what the Constitutional Court has ruled. The IEC tells her in their own report, 24 months is not enough. She goes to the Concord and applies for a six-month extension. If 24 months wasn't enough and the IEC told you that, how dare you go to the Constitutional Court and undermine the integrity and the basic intelligence of Concord judges and apply for a six-month extension? What is a six-month extension going to do? And then last 
lastly on this point, the Independent Electoral Commission, which is not independent, I must always stress that, itself is disingenuous and corrupt to the core. They have an education budget that they've been receiving since 1994 precisely to support this mandate of introducing a new electoral system. Do you know what they've been doing? They've been giving that money to IEC offices in the districts and municipalities. And admittedly, to their own admission, they don't care what those people do with that budget because they don't know what to do about education because to them, education about elections and democracy and the constitutional democracy of South Africa is to tell you, put a cross next to Mandisa's face. Mm. That's education. People in South Africa need to understand what constitutional democracy means. It means that nobody in government can pass a budget without our permission. But for 28 years, government has been passing budgets without our permission. In, in Gauteng, we are still held to the Etoll's nonsense that they went to Austria, borrowed 20 billion rand from the Austrian government without our permission. And then they come back and tell us we must pay back that loan. And then they did all manner of corruption with that whole project, uh, Gauteng Highway Removal uh, Renewal Project. And I can go on and on. Every budget in Treasury is essentially illegal in the provinces, in the metros, in the municipalities, in the districts, at national, because we as citizens but have nothing to do. But these parliaments are also pa they're passed in parliament. Because of proportional representation, yes. right? So, so, so can we really say that they are illegal? They are when, illegal because they proportional are representation following, following the process. Proportional representation, Kathy, does not remove our individual constitutional rights to decide what must happen with our resources and what must not happen. Look at what happened now with Sihlet Zgalala. The man admitted to stealing 27,000 liters of water. Is there a criminal case against him? Was he arrested? We've normalized stealing in South Africa. We've even normalized being nannied by a corrupt, incorrigible government right. under the ANC. Uh, I want to bring in Lulu White here, and I don't want us to get derailed or sidetracked too much because, Lulu, this this issue that Mandisa is raising around um, the Home Affairs Department, that's been one of the big ones that has come up because effectively... The Department of Home Affairs right now, as it stands, is seen as having objected um, to many of, as, as, as having opposed rather, many of the objections that have been raised to the proposed amendments to this bill. Hello, Lulu. All right, I'm not sure what's happening with Lulu White there. Uh, I wonder if we, if, if we still have her on the line. It looks like uh, we may have lost her for a bit. We'll try and get her back up on the line. As always, I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line, 0614-104-107. And on Twitter, it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point. Lulu, I'm sorry we'd lost you for a bit there. You're back on the line. Yes, I'm back on the line. Sorry about that. No problem. I, I wanted us to specifically talk about this issue of the Department of Home Affairs because they're largely seen now as opposing some of the many objections that have been raised to the proposed amendments to this bill. Well, you need to remember that the Department of Home Affairs is actually run by a minister. And that very same minister is a minister who has been elected to the process of proportional representation. Lulu, I'm not sure if you're able to move around a little bit, but I'm struggling just with the audio. I can't hear you very clearly. Uh, please repeat what you are saying. I'm saying that the Department of Home Affairs 
is actually the Department of Home Affairs is run by a minister who was actually elected uh, through a process of proportional representation. And I think that's very important to remember. At the end of the day, people, when somebody is elected via proportional representation, they are moving uh, according to a particular mandate. There's a mandate that comes from a particular political party, and they're not supposed to, to, to move away from that particular mandate. And therefore, that's why it shouldn't be surprising that the Minister of Home Affairs would, would, would object to some of those recommendations of those proposals that have been made as far as this, this bill is concerned. The mandate that the, department, that the Minister of the Department of Home Affairs has is a mandate that seeks to say that uh, proportional representation must be maintained. So ultimately, I don't think that as, as a country or citizens, we should be surprised that, that any minister for that matter or any member of parliament for that matter would, would be in support wholeheartedly of the proposed amendments to the electoral reform. Because all of these people have been elected by a, a proportional representation and, and, and the vibrancy that would, that would be brought in by independent uh, members of parliament would then say that people are then able to, they can be held accountable. Currently, all political parties that sit in Parliament are only accountable to their own political parties and not necessarily to the constituencies that have actually placed them in those offices. One of the things that the minister spoke about is the fact that they had basically studied uh, electoral systems the world over. And mm. um, and in responding to this question around why it is there had been the level of, of opposition to the objections is that he said, well, um, we're, ne- we're not going to be able to accommodate everybody's desires, you know, because there's no perfect system in the world. Things are always going to change. So this idea that at the end of the day, we're going to have an amendment bill that makes everybody happy, that effectively we should not want to pursue something that's going to satisfy everyone because then we might not get to where we want to be in the first place. What do you make of that? Look, I think that's really, that's quite mischievous because even even if you have if you have, if he has indeed looked at all the electoral systems across the mm-hmm. world, you will find that a number of countries have actually gone with the system where they do have proportional representation, but there's also independence that represent constituencies in Parliament. Earlier on I made an example with Zimbabwe that actually our neighbor right next door to us actually has a similar system where people vote for members of parliament according to, in, in according to their constituencies. So it's quite mischievous to say that uh, they've studied the world, um, electoral systems the world over, not everybody's happy with the system. People need to be given the opportunity to vote for who they want, not a political party. How many, politi- how many people have actually been disenfranchised by the fact that they are forced to vote for a political party and they're actually supposed to vote in national and provincial election? And there's quite a few of them. When people, when you speak to young people right now, they will they say, "Incidentally, we are not. I'm not interested in voting. The ESF doesn't serve my needs. The ANC doesn't serve my needs. The DA doesn't serve my needs. Mm. Why is it important for me to vote?" All of these people are people that are currently being disenfranchised, and we know that voting is, is it's a human right. It's a right that is protected by the constitution. And insisting on having people to vote for a political party is actually a violation of those particular rights. All right. Let me go to Tembiso in Mpumalanga. Uh, Tembiso, you'll be our first caller on the subject. Good morning. Morning, Kathy. How are you and your guests there? Good, thank you. Go for it. Uh, Kathy, you see, I also support the, 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 the amendment of the Electoral Act, mm-hmm. Kathy, because currently we, we, we vote for a political party, not for a person. Then we get given a person who is incompetent and they don't deliver. But if, when we as a community or the people of South Africa vote for people that we know, they will deliver. 
this also comes back to when the people doesn't deliver, then we, are, we have the power as a community because we are the one that voted you in to put you out and put another person so that our country doesn't become a failed state. It's now becoming a failed state because of the promotional representative. Few people get to take decision for us. They even take decision that we, 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 we as South African majority of us don't agree for it. For example, Casey, uh, 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 the, the, the rights that are, are going on now, you say that you don't have to punish your children because they're giving children rights. Now the 12-year-old child has a right to, to, to make a decision if you can may, maybe have sex or something like that. So we as South Africans, most of South Africans don't agree with that because we don't have a say in this. We only just go and vote and that's it. We don't have a say. So this, this reform will, will, will give us a voice. And putting power back in people's hands, Tembiso? Yes. All right. Okay. Thanks for that call. Uh, Nana, good morning to you, Nana. Morning, Kate. How are you? I'm well, thanks. It says here, independent thinker. Where are you calling us from? Yes. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm calling from from Peter Meritbeck. Kate, you know, this conversation, the fact that you confined to SAFM only for me just pains me because just like Mandisa and the other speaker said, this conversation belongs to all South Africans. We are sick and tired of these geriatrics who are occupying parliament, who are not going to let go of the power that they currently have. And I think uh, Omandisa and them know that you have to take the power and it's to you. These people who are in there are going to stall this thing until forever, until some of them are 100 years old. People in communities are not represented. It, it's a fact. We all know that. And every time people want to fill their own independent uh, candidates, there is war in communities because these political parties want to be the ones who have the share, the bigger share of what is actually. And political parties are, are, are not necessarily representing the interests of the people. They represent the interests of the people who actually have formed those political parties most of the time. Not all of them, by the way, because Women Forward was not like that. But all I'm saying is that political parties are not representative, most of them, of the interests of the people. You know, Nana, it's taking me back to a conversation we had on Freedom Day around um, people's agency and the way in which uh, there they is... I don't want to say an attempt, but the way in which people in some ways are being stripped of the agency because we are made to believe that if in the political space, it's you have to belong to a political party to be able to participate in the process. Um, In the social space is that um, if you're protesting and you're protesting, I'm Cathy, I'm protesting against no electricity. Nobody takes me seriously. I must come and say I belong to uh, the against power cuts coalition that is registered, that has a secretariat, has an office in order for my voice to actually matter, in order for my voice to count. And and that's not what the Constitution says. And when abusive because it strips you off your own agency, like Yeah. because when you speak for themselves, they speak honestly for what they stand for. Now, what is actually happening right now, all these things are twisted because political parties are setting their own uh, political agendas. And I think it's very unfair for the South Africans to be subjected to that. After all the years we have actually struggled to get our freedom, we are being oppressed through these political parties that serve their own interests. All right. Nana, thanks for that call Thank out you. in Peter Maritzburg there. Um, Mandisa, let me come to you. Earlier, Lulu mentioned something so important. She said, 
um, we have not seen the kind of organizing around even putting pressure on parliament to finalize this as would be expected. New Nation, a few others seem to be the, the only voices. Do you think that that's been part of the problem? Yes, it's actually a deliberate ploy. Um, by the way, the, the, that's the point I was making earlier about the Constitution protecting your rights as an individual, not as a clique, not even as a family or as a clan or as tembo. Here's the issue. I made mention of the education budget that rests with the IEC. That education budget was supposed to teach South Africans about, considering all of us were coming from either a Bantustan or a South African environment, but being black and whatever race group you are, uh, we came from a very segregated uh, environment, pure nanny state that really wanted to tell people what to think, feel, and eat every day. And so we didn't understand as South Africans, many of us, especially those of us who are not exposed to other countries and other forms of existence, we did not understand what democracy and governance and all of that, except for the version of the apartheid um, for, uh, fragmented and, and, and segregated governments uh, that, that we, we sort of were exposed to. Even then, we didn't quite know because there was a lot of closure and secrecy about almost everything in South Africa. And so the IEC was given that budget to educate South Africans, to say to South Africans, listen, this is what democracy means. This is what constitu uh, constitutional democracy means. This is what a right means. This is what a responsibility means because we must never forget that our duties and responsibilities towards ourselves as citizens comes before our rights. Our rights are just there to protect us in the core of us living productive lives where we are responsible citizens and we are doing good in society, not, you know, the opposite. And so there has been a deliberate suppression and frustration of, um, uh, you know, the education aspect of, of, of how to build a country by the government and by the state, uh, exemplified by what I've just said earlier about the IEC. I was not derailing. It's all part of this one conversation. They do that on purpose because you must understand it's also not an accident that our education system became so watered down after apartheid and that people could pass with the 30% pass mark and that all sorts of uh, ridiculous subjects like mathematical literacy were introduced because it's a scientific fact that if your brain is not taught to think on its own and to think laterally, scientifically, your brain brain is not going to be able to function outside of what you have been fed deliberately by whoever is feeding your brain, namely government and big organizations, etc. And in a capitalist framework such as South Africa, that is uh, likely to happen easily, and that has happened easily. And so most citizens wait for the state, and that's a nanny state, to tell them what to do. Even when there's a law and the law has changed, even when there's a law that cannot be changed, you know, or, or can be changed, but through a very rigorous public engagement process, citizens won't take it up upon themselves. And so we have been reaching out even before we went to the court in June, I mean, before the June um, court judgment by Justice Matlanga um, in 2020. The New Nation Movement and colleagues of the New Nation Movement have gone to great lengths to invite various people, business people, people with deep pockets, philanthropists, um, activists, anybody really with an interest to say, um, I'm one of the people they, they engage with because I've always been interested in the electoral reforms discussion since probably I was in my 20s because I always followed politics from my teenage years and the Codesa negotiations and all. I'm just one of those young people who was a bit of a nerd who just followed everything to the T. And so they invited many um, uh, influential and ordinary people to say, guys, this is not our project as New Nation Movement. We don't even have the money. We will do whatever little bit that we can to push this agenda up to the Constitutional Court. From there, we require South Africans to come back together as a collective 
from various race groups, different constituencies, from business, from government, from NGOs, from all sorts of sectors to say, what is it that we need to do? Because we do understand that this is going to take a lot of work because you first have to uneducate um, the 60-odd million citizens of this country before you can re-educate them about the electoral reforms. One of the things that was mentioned in the Fancel Slabert report, which are the two key takings aways from that report, was that and, that, and and I'm talking 2003, and 2003 was on the premise of the 1993 conversation, right? So always look at it in the continuum of the conversation. Don't look at it in isolation. We don't want to claim victory as the new nation movement for, for this discussion. This is a South African discussion that is more than 30 years old. Um, the two key takings from the Fancel Slabert report said, one of the things that will work for South Africa is if we have a mixed system where 75% of the seats in parliament, of the 400 seats in parliament, and the same proportion should work for legislatures and councils, should you still have provincial legislatures, because they're not entirely necessary. We all know it's a duplication of corruption and waste of money. But should you have a mixed system that is functional? The most functional one in terms of benchmark studies is where 75% of the seats are allocated to independent candidates who can think independently and not thinking on, on the basis of an instruction from their political party executives. And then 25% can go to proportional representation to the political parties where they can do whatever games they want to play. And that discussion cannot now be reopened as you were saying earlier, you were asking Lulu, by the Home Affairs Minister and the Committee of Parliament. They cannot now start a process where they're asking the Home Affairs Minister, what do you think? And the Home Affairs Minister says, oh no, any change that comes will not be. Listen, right. we've moved from analog digital systems, I mean, analog systems of technology to where we are today. So who's to say when change must come, how the change must come? Change must come. If, the one thing, if there's one thing in life that is consistent and constant, All right. it's change. Mandisa, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you there. I want to quickly take Midrand, uh, Elvis in Midrand. Elvis, you'll be our last caller. Good morning. Hello, hello. Good morning, uh, Katie and Mandisa. Just uh, Katie, just that I put it differently last time when I talked to you. I, I told you that um, we have problems to rely on politicians because they are given to absolute power. Look at how the way they talk to us. After we voted them in power, they do whatever they they they, they, they do as they please, and uh, they get paid for it. Uh, the level of you know, uh, if you look at South Africa. We, we, we have us we, we, we have us and them, meaning that uh, the way they are treated, the law is not even the same. Ninety is one thousand or one million correct, percent correct. You know this needs to be corrected. We can't continue to live like this. Uh, if I happen to have money, then I must take care of my family. Government doesn't do anything. I'm from a rural area in Zanin, but I'm staying in here in Johannesburg. If you look, we don't have water, we don't have roads. But these politicians are reaching themselves. When you go to uh, political meetings, they tell you lies after a lie. It doesn't matter that it's ANC. It doesn't matter that it's DA. It doesn't matter that it's EFF. You can look even EFF yesterday. He said Julius himself. He said this time they killed the wrong one. I don't know if you have this, Katie. He said they killed the wrong one. Mm. You know, which, is, which one is the right one that they mm. killed? Senzo Mayway is, 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 is gone. It's not Mr. Senzo alone. A lot of people have been killed. Politicians are quiet. They know some of them who are the perpetrators. Now EFF has got their own investigation. And uh, they undermine the SATS. They are saying they are superior. What she's saying is correct. You know, I'm so frustrated. All right. All right. Uh, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> I can hear that. I can hear that. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to leave it there with you uh, for this morning. I need to take the 11 o'clock news. I'll give Mandisa and Lulu an opportunity to wrap up after.
It's 8 after 11 o'clock. Uh, you're live on the uh, talking point and we are going, continuing our conversation from the last hour. I'm going to give Mandisa uh, Mashero an opportunity to, uh, to wrap up. And during the news, of course, her and I were fighting about what are the current regulations? Do we keep the masks? Do they fall away? None of this would have happened if the health department had ensured that the regulations post the state of disaster were published on time. But alas, here we are having to fight about whether she can walk into a building with her mask or without her mask. But uh, before, we get, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, Bandisa, I'm going to give you a chance just to... Um, add your final contributions to this conversation uh, around the amendment of the Electoral Act and, and where to from here for, for the new nation movement. Look, Cathy, um, it's not up to the minister to make amendments. It's our amendments. These are our laws. This is what we are discussing now. Secondly, the minister didn't have the right to do the regulations in the first place. They have a Disaster Management Act. They must amend that one, not the Health Act. Uh, that's a discussion for another day because I made my own submission five pages to the Department of Health and they acknowledged receipt. Let's talk about this issue. What is very important for all of us as South Africans to understand and to start digesting, uh, according to even the conversation me and you were having privately during the news bulletin, is that the, there is no such a thing as a government. We are the government. It's also very important to understand that when you are a government... Um, in a sovereign national state with your boundaries, you determine the laws. And when a law no longer works for you, you take it away. You repeal it. It's called repealing a law. When the law is still there and it doesn't, and, you know, you, it doesn't benefit you or it's outdated, you then amend it. Let me give you an example. When we had telephone lines in our houses that had a cord, right? In order for government to make changes to um, the infrastructure in terms of technology, etc., for us now to get the, the mobile cordless phones. They had to go and amend and act. That's what happens. So there's certain things that change in society because innovation has changed, whatever. But there's also things that change because culture has changed. Culture is not a static thing. It moves. It changes. Every 30 years, new traditions are formed. And now I think the changes are coming at a higher frequency. Uh, the capitalist system itself, every 10 to 15 years, it collapses, and we know it as an economic collapse, right? Recession. And so when changes happen, we then have to change the laws. Who must change the laws? The government. Who's the government? It's the people, right? The government are not the people that represent you in parliament. They're not the government. They are representing 50-odd thousand votes in, in parliament and in legislatures on average. Those 50,000 votes are you and me who have given them that seat. And that's what proportional representation says. What they then do when they get there, all the colluding, all the tender rigging, all the bullying uh, state officials, all the threatening CEOs, municipal managers, directors general, um, anybody really who's put in a senior position, um, uh, CEOs in, in, in financial positions, CFOs, etc. all that bullying and threatening them. There are political party members in parliament that bullied the CEO of the PIC to say, if you don't give funding to so-and-so, you must kiss that position goodbye. Um, this happens daily by the public representatives that are emboldened by proportional representation, the system that we are fighting to remove, and the system that has given um, authority um, to the government, the, 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 the current governing parties and the opposition parties that they collude with in parliament to basically nanny us, to turn South Africa into a nanny state, which has now essentially become a failed state because of all the looting and the budgets that we can't retrieve anymore. And so 
the actions by the new nation movement we want to repeat are actions of the people of South Africa. We want the people of South Africa genuinely, genuinely to own this process. Um, Nana, Mam Nana is actually, I know she's from Women Forward. Uh, I actually knew her many years ago, and if she's still listening, I want to say hello to her. Um, and by the way, she's a granddaughter of uh, the, one of the presidents of the ANC, Albert Lutuli. Umam Nana is one of the people who really we don't pay uh, enough respect to. She's one of the first women to have recognized this problem long, long ago. But, you know, we didn't come up and support her. There are many other people. Makosi Koza. Makosi Koza is uh, a fervent, uh, fervent activist in this country who deserves all our respect, um, who will not uh, uh, stand for any nonsense, however much she can be labeled as a political tourist going from political party to political. If you're a genuine activist and a genuine feminist and a genuine womanist, which is what I am, you will actually leave every political party you join because every political party you join will be patriarchally arranged, will be corrupt, will be corruptible, and will be incorrigible. And so so to demonstrate that you're genuine to the cause of the people, you must leave it, despite the names that you can be called. Makosi Koza was one of the people who fought alongside New Nation Movement to make sure that this matter goes to court. And she doesn't get uh, given enough credit for this. She's also one of the people who spoke at length about the failures of the proportional representation system out of the frustrations she experienced in the ANC when she was fighting against Jacob Zuma's corruption. And she was then, uh, you know, uh, bullied and behind mm -hmm. the scenes and forced eventually to, to leave. Same happened with her in Action SA when she tells the truth when she takes on a position to help support the citizens of Eteguini and, 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 and strikes a deal with other political parties, something quite above board. Even in parliament, the head of the chairperson, I mean, the chairperson of SCOPA is not a member of the, of the governing party. In many small municipalities, the chairpersons of public accounts are not from the governing parties and should not be from the governing parties. And then uh, the, the, the party expels her uh, for doing the right thing for representing citizens. And so what we are calling for is that citizens must understand that we need to work together. We need to work against the government. We need to work against the Speaker of Parliament. We need to work against the chairperson of the uh, Portfolio Committee for Home Affairs. We need to work against the IEC and stand together as citizens, whatever race group, whatever creed, whatever religion, whatever ideology. We need to set our ideologies aside if we're going to rescue this country called South Africa from the clutches of the evil corrupt people that are currently colluding behind our backs and to put knives in our backs to collapse us as the people of South Africa. Mandisa Mashero will leave it there for this morning. Project Director, she is with the South African Electoral Reforms at the New Nation Movement.